You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Cade Young. You're listening to the WFHB Local News for Tuesday, January 16th, 2024. Later in the program, local journalist Dave Askins with the B-Square Bulletin provides an update on Bloomington's annexation efforts. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production between WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fun. But first, your local headlines. The Bloomington City Council held its organizational meeting on January 10th, 2024. First, Mayor Carrie Thompson introduced herself to the council. Thank you. Thank you for having us all here tonight. Um, I know there are many people who um, are joining me, and um, I I felt like applauding when you called the meeting to order, Isabel. it is, uh, it is a new year, a new chapter, and already before the meeting, uh, as Councilmember Asari mentioned, we've been working together. And uh, I am looking forward to a government that works together and works for our residents. And um, I want to just make a couple of notes. Um, we have had a... Um, a fast and busy week and a half in City Hall already um, and outside of City Hall. And um, I couldn't be more honored or excited to serve as your mayor. And I know there are lots of people who are um, really enthused at the um, council that we've elected, the most diverse council and um, really a council that I think is driven to do well for our city. So I'm looking forward to working with you on items we agree about, items we disagree about. I am looking forward to having your ideas improve mine and hopefully vice versa. And uh, I know our team is really um, just mission-driven and working incredibly hard. And the last uh, nine or 10 days here in City Hall, it's been a deep privilege to meet uh, the dedicated city employees that have been working, some of them for um, decades and decades, uh, and uh, many invisible to others in the community. Um, But that's how our streets get salted, and um, that's how we address safety concerns, and um, we collaborate and plan for our future. So looking forward to a great year. Next, the council voted on the election of officers. Council member Isabel Piedmont-Smith was nominated as president of the council. Piedmont-Smith shared why she is interested in the role. Well, um, I um, would be happy to uh, just explain uh, my interest in this position. We are, as has been mentioned a few times this evening already, we're at a very exciting point as a city council. We are 
the most diverse council um, in the history uh, of the city council, as far as I know. Um, and we have a majority of council members um, who did not carry over from the previous term, so we have fresh perspectives. Uh, in this context, I would be very honored to serve as council president for the year 2024. I believe I can bring a good balance of experience and new ideas to council leadership. I am starting my fourth non-consecutive term on the city council, and I've served as president once in 2010, so 14 years ago. Um, I've served as vice president three times, 2009, 2018, and 2023. I've served one year as parliamentarian in 2020. At the end of my first term in December of 2011, council member Stephen Volan brought forward a proposal for the formation of standing committees. And ever since that time, I have been, I've contemplated improvements to the council's processes to increase both efficiency and public engagement. The 2011 proposal was dropped. It was taken up again in 2020. I know that several of my colleagues are interested in pursuing process reform this year, and my historical knowledge of council processes, in addition to my proven willingness to try new approaches, would make me a suitable leader during this time. Furthermore, I have excellent organizational skills, I have a good basic understanding of Robert's Rules of Order, and I have friendly relationships with the incoming mayor and with my council colleagues. I know that we can only achieve good results for our community through ongoing communication and collaboration, and I commit myself to these practices. I would appreciate the support of my colleagues to become council president for 2024. Council members Andy Ruff, Hopi Stosberg, Shruti Rana, Izak Asare, and Sidney Zulich all shared their support for her nomination. The vote to elect Piedmont Smith as president of the council passed unanimously. For the position of vice president, council member Izak Asare nominated council member Andy Ruff. Ruff spoke on the nomination. You know, given that the, one of the responsibilities of the vice president is to take over in the event that the uh, president can't uh, carry out the duties at that particular time, uh, I, I feel like I do have something to offer in terms of experience, even though I, wasn't, I didn't serve in the most recent term. But in previous terms, I, I had experience serving as president and vice president. And um, I think, I hope that that experience I can bring will, will be helpful will be called upon and needed in, in, at various times in this transition year. Uh, I, just, I just think it's most important like now uh, and for the next few months. Um, but beyond that, and everyone will have the, the requisite, I think, experience to, to take over any of these roles. Um, I think in my past terms, when I did serve, I've demonstrated a commitment to communication and collaboration between the council members. And I have shown fair e even-handedness in uh, conducting duties as president or vice president. And I think I've shown in the past that I can put my own sort of personal legislative agenda and priorities on the back burner for a while to help serve the larger overall interest of the council in terms of its effectiveness and productivity. Um, and I, I, I demonstrate I can do that. I'm happy to do that uh, in, in this year if I were to serve as, as vice president. My number one priority as vice president would be to help the president 
create the most timely, um, thorough, and efficient conduit of communication and collaboration between the administration and all council members to help facilitate that to the greatest extent that I can. And then the next step to always work and to work constantly to promote and encourage maximal communication and collaboration between the council and the administration in addressing community priorities and needs and initiatives and legislation. Um, so that's why I'd like to serve and I'd appreciate it. My colleagues support serving as vice president this, this year. Council member Hopi Stosberg was nominated for the position of parliamentarian. She shared that although she is a new member of the council, she has been preparing for the position. Thank, thank you very much, uh, Councilmember Rosenbarger and uh, Councilmember Ruff down there uh, for the confidence that you just showed uh, with this nomination. As somebody who's new to council, it feels like a big responsibility, and I feel ready and prepared for it. Um, I, In order to prepare for this role as council member, I watched all of the meetings in 2023 because I wanted to familiarize myself with the process and with the procedures and how council did business, and I did that because I thought that it was important um, to be prepared just to sit here and not necessarily to play any other additional special role, but just to be here as part of this body. I wanted to make sure that I, I knew what was going on and that I knew how things usually worked. So that's also prepared me to uh, serve as parliamentarian. So I would be very happy to do that. And I appreciate the opportunity to serve. Thank you. The nomination was approved unanimously. The next Bloomington City Council meeting will be held on January 17th. The Monroe County Commissioners met on January 10th of 2024. Executive Director of the Waste Reduction District of Monroe County, Tom McGlasson Jr., spoke during public comment. McGlasson discussed some changes coming to the Recycling Center, formerly known as the Monroe County Solid Waste Management District, including new signage simpler paper recycling procedures, and a new monthly schedule for bulky items. Uh, it's the same rotation we've been doing uh, on a weekly basis over the years. Uh, we're just going to a monthly rotation. Uh, they'll be there for the full month. Uh, that will eliminate, um, uh, we have a handful of weeks through the year where you have a fifth, uh, a fifth Sunday or Monday, <clears throat> excuse me, in the month where uh, the service previously has not been available. So it will eliminate those days where the service uh, is not available for residents. Commissioner Penny Githens expressed appreciation for the center's new bulky item schedule. It does eliminate the five or more times a year that there's nothing available uh, for our residents to use. And I think it, the way you've designed the, the, the new schedule, Mr. McGlasson, I think things should move very smoothly. McGlaston explained that residents can expect to see new signage in their facilities, including one with the updated schedule. The board also heard from County Attorney Molly Turner King, who asked the commissioners to approve an ordinance which would increase the compensation that drainage board members receive. Turner King explained that the board is often faced with tasks which require a certain level of experience and technical knowledge. This ordinance aims to retain capable board members. 
So the item before you is to amend chapter 76 or 760 as it pertains to the drainage board. Um, the drainage board is responsible for tasks that include, but are not limited to, interpreting drainage easements, assisting the MS4 coordinator in reviewing um, developments and providing comment on relevant ordinances. Um, those tasks require a specific level of expertise and technical knowledge. So an effort to attract and retain board members with that required knowledge, um, the amendment before you increases the per diem that would those individuals would pay. And the language that is being amended in the ordinance is that members would receive compensation um, in accordance with the annual salary ordinance. So last night at the council meeting, the council increased the range for board members per diem from, it was just 25 and now it's 25 to $100. So mm -hmm. board members would receive $100 for meetings that they attend and they would not receive compensation for canceled meetings or meetings they don't attend. Correct. Commissioner Penny Giffins commented on the ordinance and the importance of the drainage board. Yeah, I, I think it's really important that folks understand too that if you are an existing homeowner or business owner and other things are built near you, they can really impact um, your, your facility. Um, and so we actually are in a situation where we may be buying up a few homes because they are now just being flooded out on a regular basis. And that's what's happened if you don't pay proper attention to these things. And, and also we have these karst features that make a difference too in, in our area. The commissioners approve the ordinance unanimously. The next Monroe County Commissioners meeting will be held on January 17th. In today's feature report, local journalist Dave Askins with the B-Square Bulletin provides an update on Bloomington's annexation efforts. We turn to Dave Askins for more. The B-Square Bulletin sends out an emailed morning bulletin every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can sign up for the morning bulletin by visiting bsquarebulletin.com and clicking on the tab labeled subscribe. Here's an item from a recent installment. Annexation Action. The group County Residents Against Annexation, CRAA, issued a news release on January 2nd with a reminder about upcoming annexation litigation involving the City of Bloomington's effort to expand. There are two sets of pending litigation related to the City of Bloomington's annexation effort, which started in 2017. In 2021, Bloomington City Council approved the annexation of seven areas near or surrounded by the city. One set of litigation involves two areas where landowners collected enough signatures to force a judicial review of the merits for annexation in those two areas. The timing of that review was the subject of a lot of legal wrangling. The five-day judicial review on the merits for Area 1A and Area 1B is now set to take place in front of Special Judge Nathan Nykirk out of Lawrence County starting on April 29th of this year. The other litigation involves a constitutional question. 
whether a 2019 law passed by the state legislature can invalidate annexation waivers and still be consistent with a state constitutional prohibition against creating laws that alter obligations under a contract. The city of Bloomington initiated that litigation because the other five annexation areas, other than Area 1A and Area 1B, collected enough landowner signatures to stop annexation outright in the five areas. But their tally of signatures is enough only if the 2019 law is allowed to apply, which invalidates many of the waivers that were attached to the properties. A hearing on the case is set for February 8th in front of Special Judge Kelsey Hanlon out of Owen County. The news release from CRAA says, quote, the new City of Bloomington administration could decide to abandon the previous administration's attempted involuntary annexations, end quote. I think that technically it would be a straightforward matter for Bloomington Mayor Carrie Thompson to withdraw the litigation initiated by the City of Bloomington. But for the litigation that was initiated by remonstrators, which entails a judicial review of the merits of the proposed annexation, the City can't just withdraw it. Maybe the city could just stipulate that the annexation does not meet the required criteria in the state statute, and the judge could base a ruling on that. But even if Thompson wanted to make that stipulation, I don't think the mayor can act on it unilaterally without city council support. The city council is one of the named defendants in the litigation. That makes sense because it's the city council's annexation ordinances that are subject to the judicial review. That's why I think it would have made good sense for the city council's attorney to actually file an appearance with the court on behalf of the city council. Right now, the city council is reliant on the administration's legal counsel for its representation in the case. Until next week, this has been Dave Askins with the B-Square Bulletin for WFHB. Up next, Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production between WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fun. We turn now to that segment on the WFHB Local News. Welcome to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a weekly co-production from WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We highlight adoptable animals with special needs in South Central Indiana and spotlight topics to promote human animal welfare. First, here is today's featured animal. This week's featured animal is Ray Ray, a very handsome Australian Shepherd mixed dog who thinks people are pretty amazing. Ray Ray is always down for an adventure. He happens to be deaf, so he'll need someone willing to work on communication with him. While his previous owner did not fill out a profile for him, they did let the shelter know that Ray Ray is familiar with some signs and is a very fast learner. To learn more about Ray Ray, including adoption details, please reach out to the City of Bloomington Animal Shelter. 
If you're interested in adopting today's featured pet, you can learn more at our websites, goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org. You're listening to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production of WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We now turn to this week's featured topic. According to VCA Animal Hospitals, deafness can be an overlooked, invisible disability in dogs. However, with certain accommodations, deaf dogs can live long, full lives. In general, determining deafness in dogs is fairly straightforward. Puppies who are deaf may not respond to their names or pick up verbal commands. Older dogs developing hearing loss may not wake up from a nap when you arrive home. You can check your dog's hearing at home by rattling your keys, squeaking a toy, clapping your hands behind the dog, ringing a bell, whistling, or shaking a bag of treats. It is important to ensure your dog cannot see the source of the noise as they may respond to the visual cues. If the dog does not respond, then there is a good chance that they are deaf. In general, deafness in dogs is not linked to any specific health concerns, but there are safety precautions to keep in mind. They cannot hear traffic, a honking car, or a voice calling their name, so they should only be off-leash in contained areas, never near a street. It is important to avoid sneaking up and startling a deaf dog as they might not always feel a vibration in the floor when approached. Often, firmly tapping a foot nearby is enough to wake them or get their attention. Deaf dogs quickly learn to pay close attention to their surroundings, which is helpful when training. Once we have their attention, we can teach them to associate specific hand signals and body language with desired behaviors. With proper considerations, deaf dogs can live lives much the same as hearing dogs. Thank you for tuning in to Lil Bub's Lil Show on WFHB, produced in partnership with Lil Bub's Big Fund. For more info on today's featured animal and topic, find us online at goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org. This is In Nature. This is Juliana Daly with In Nature. Today, I am talking to you about the whooping crane. The whooping crane is an endangered crane species native to North America, named for its whooping calls. It has snowy white plumage, a crimson cap, and is very graceful. It is the tallest and the rarest North American bird. Whooping cranes rely on shallow marshes and adjacent open grasslands. That is why we are fortunate to have the Goose Pond Fish and Wildlife Area near Linton, Indiana. They breed in remote northern forests and migrate by day in family groups and travel along rather narrow corridors and make traditional stopovers, 
like Goose Pond in Indiana. They are omnivorous and eat insects, shrimp, crabs, clams, snails, frogs, seeds, acorns, roots, berries, and a lot more. In courtship, pairs dance, leaping into the air repeatedly with flapping wings, bills pointed upward, giving bugling calls. The nest sits on the ground, typically on marshy land in a lake or a pond. It is a large mound of grass, weeds, and mud with a depression in the middle. They typically lay two eggs, which are olive buffs spotted with dark brown. Incubation is by both sexes, and the chicks hatch within 29 to 31 days. Whooping cranes came close to extinction because of habitat loss and unregulated hunting. Today, there are approximately 536 whooping cranes. You've been listening to In Nature, a production of WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Noel Herhusky Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Dave Askins. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. For WFHB, this is your engineer and executive producer, Cade Young. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters WFHB wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Spectrum a program that explores the world of science and technology. Coming up next on WFHB. WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts.
individual stories and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer 